All right, welcome back. Zazzle, Roms, and Amber here on a Wednesday morning. Joining us in the Orion Fuel and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line, truly steps beyond convenience. Uh, the great coach Dan Reeves, of course, the Denver Broncos, a bunch of Super Bowl appearances there, New York Giants, Atlanta Falcons, greatest, right, Romberg? I mean, you played for the Falcons for a long time. That Falcon team, you you know, like, they're revered there. That was the greatest Falcon team of all time. And uh, Coach Dan Reeves joins us here. He's doing a lot of good work, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, is that the season? I mean, you, you went to the Super Bowl a few times with Denver, too, but that 14-2 and season with Atlanta, uh, you went to the Super Bowl, huge upset of Minnesota in the NFC title game. Is that the coaching season that you're most proud of in the NFL? Well, that's no question. That's uh, that's one of them. I think uh, the first time we went to the Super Bowl in the game against Cleveland was the drive. Uh, when you go to you know accomplish something for the first time uh, and being a head coach and going to the Super Bowl for the first time was a you know one that I'll remember. But certainly Atlanta had uh, you know struggled for years as far as you know, getting to the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, they had had great playoff teams. And back when I was in Dallas, we played them several times. But, you know, it was just a great feeling to come back home originally from Georgia and, to, you know, to win that game in Minnesota. That was probably one of the most exciting football games I've ever been a part of. When, when coaches are coaching in, in a big game, playoff game or Super Bowl, and it's a close game, do coaches get nervous the way players may get nervous? Oh, no question. Uh, if, you, if you don't, I, don't, I think you're in the wrong business if you don't get excited about it and, and you know, be nervous about it. Uh, have I got them prepared? Have I done everything that I can to get our team ready to play and, you know, to go out and execute, uh, you know, and, and to win a game, particularly in tough surroundings like, you know, Cleveland was or like Minnesota was. Uh, that, that's a great accomplishment. And you know that, you know, your players uh, listen to what you were trying to, you know, say and uh, did the things they had to do to win. And you also had the benefit of being on both sides of that big, thick white line, also a player and a coach. You obviously have your rivals and the guys that you hated or hated going against. What about coaching-wise? Do you guys get the same kind of feeling where, where there is a guy across that sideline that you absolutely despise? <laughs> I don't know. I think there's more we had admiration for, for the guys on the other side. I don't know that I ever played against a, a coach that I, that I despised. Uh, you know, I had a great respect for for the job that they did, because I know how difficult that is. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of respect for a lot of coaches that, uh, you know, I competed against through the years, and hopefully they had the same feeling for me, and it wasn't despised me. Who was the coach that you loved beating? Like, you had so much respect for him that you really felt like it was a huge accomplishment if you beat him. Well, Marty Schottenham, uh, you know, was one. Chuck Knox was another one. Uh, both of those guys uh, had their football teams prepared. And, uh, you know, they weren't going to beat themselves. And I always felt like that was a, the most difficult kind of team to, to beat. If they're not going to beat themselves, that means you've got to go out and execute and do the things that you have to do to, you know, to beat them. And uh, Chuck Knox was the first one that, you know, I had that way when he was at Seattle and I was in Denver. Uh, you always knew you were going to come up against one of the best coaches in the business. And, you know, Marty and I were, were against each other in so many games. Uh, I had a great respect for what he did. Can you recall, we, we got the coach Dan Reeves joining us here. Can you recall games where after the game you, you sat there in your office and you said to yourself, man, uh, he ran circles around me. I got I got very outcoached today. Well, I don't think there's any question when you lose, those are the things that go through your mind. Uh, you know, what did I what could I have done differently? What, uh, you know, you always second guess yourself. It's a lot easier after the play's over, after the game's over, 
to know you could have done something different, but you got to learn from it and then, uh, you know, those experiences and try to move on. Did you ever feel that way after any of the Super Bowls or was it just, you know what, that, that other team, they were just better than us? Every one of them. <laughs> you know, when you don't win one, uh, you know, as a head coach in particular, you feel responsible for getting your football team ready to play. And that's what I always tried to pride myself is that I had a you know, team that was ready to play in every game. And I don't think uh, any of those Super Bowls we ever played as well as we, uh, you know, were capable of playing. And you got to give the other team an awful lot of, you know, credit for that. But, you know, I wish we'd have played uh, as well as we could. I could look uh, in myself in the mirror and say I did everything that I could. Let's uh, let's hear from Coach Reeves here about what he what he's got going on. He's involved with the After the Impact Fund. Okay, you got the Gridiron Greats and the Independence Fund. They're sending guys to the Eisenhower Center in Michigan for neurocognitive behavioral treatment. Uh, of course, we're talking about brain injury here. Uh, so we're talking for the military and the battlefield. We're talking NFL players on the playing field. Tell us a little bit about what's going on here, Coach. Well, Mike, that uh, with the Gridiron Greats was sending some players to the the Eisenhower Group, uh, and they've been doing. Uh, well with, uh, you know, treating uh, patients. And the, they were already, you know, doing a lot of the military uh, people and have success there and uh, just thought it was a great thing to do to bring the two together because they suffer from the same problem as far as the concussions are concerned. And, you know, we were losing a lot of players and losing a lot of uh, military people by taking their lives and just felt like it was something that would, uh, you know, work together uh, as a group and, you know, building the facility is supposed to open up uh, the early part of next year uh, down in Jacksonville, Florida, to bring these two together and, uh, you know, help with the families, help with the transition that both uh, military veterans and NFL players have to go through, you know, after they finish, uh, you know, serving their time in the military or finishing their careers in the NFL. We finding a lot of similarities between the, the brain injuries with the NFL players and, and military? Yeah, no question. Uh, it's really, you know, it's a great name after the impact because, uh, you know, that's where it happens with the impact that they're having and, uh, you know, on the gridiron. And then as well as the military, uh, you know, in Afghanistan and Iraq where they're having all the explosions with the, you know, the bomb, roadside bombs and so forth. Uh, and, you know, just seeing all the traumatic uh, deaths and so forth that they do, uh, you know, it's a lot different situation, but the same problems arise. Coach, I'm interested in getting your opinion. Back in the day, guys were built differently. They're a little bit smaller, just as violent, and sometimes I even say they don't make them like they used to in terms of their toughness. But nowadays you got guys that are just much bigger, faster, and stronger moving on that football field. My opinion, I think the game is just so fast and so violent today. What about your opinion? Because you've been able to see that transition of how players are back then, less equipped, mind you, than they are today. Well, I think uh, the only way you get better at something is to practice it, and I think that's a difficult thing to do. This is a fast game, and they are getting bigger and, and faster. But yet they don't practice, uh, you know, the techniques, the blocking and the tackling. The only time they do it is in a game, and I think that's some of the problem that they have. Uh, you know, they don't practice in pads a lot. I think the only way that you can teach those fundamentals and, and make it, you know, even safer than they're, you know, they're doing, I think they need to you know, practicing pads to try to develop the skills that you have in blocking and tackling would help some. But yeah. uh, there's no question. Uh, first time I coached the senior bowl, we didn't have a 300-pound uh, player when I was <laughs> in Dallas. And I went to the senior bowl, and every offensive lineman I had was over 300 pounds. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we, we always talk to Mark Schlereth, and Stink talks about it all the time, how the offensive line play in terms of the technique has just totally gone downhill. And part of that is obviously the way that coaches are preparing their players and the way that they're practicing. And down here in Miami, Coach Gase broke camp after like two weeks of camp, and I even shook my head. I retired in 12. So I even look, took a look around and said, you got to be kidding me. These guys aren't even in shoulder pads three-quarters of the time. What do they need to break camp for already? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you can't get better at something. You know, the only time they really practice uh, tackling and blocking is at full speed is in a game, and that's a dangerous situation in my opinion. We got Coach Stan Reeves joining us here, and again, he's doing great work with the After the Impact Fund. You can find out more information afterTheImpactFund.org. You could also call 855-955-ATIF. That's 2843. Tell us, a- a- as a coach, how would you handle this situation? This was a big deal this weekend. Now, it ended up being inconsequential because the Panthers got killed by the Seahawks. But Cam Newton, franchise quarterback, one of the best in the league, Ron Rivera benches him for the first series of the game because he wasn't wearing a tie, which is a, a team protocol on the way to the airport. But he's the best player on the team. He's the quarterback. How, do you, how does Dan Reeves handle that as the head coach? Well, I think you, your discipline, uh, you know, is correct. You got to, you know, have a team that that does the same thing. But I think that, uh, you know, when you start disciplining players in a way that it hurts your football team, you know, that's a, you know, that's a tough situation. I, I would have gone to his pocketbook a little bit, uh, you know, to try to get my point across, you know, rather than uh, you know hurting the football team with it. Yeah, part of that is just Rivera just really searching for something to hang his hat on, right? At that point in time, when the season is going the way that it's going, especially in comparison to last year with the 15-1 and Panthers, now he's just searching for reasons why they're not doing so well, right? Yeah, I think so. I know one thing, I would have never – Coach Leonard told us to wear a coat and tie. Believe me, I had mine on. <laughs> uh, I think those things have changed a little bit, the respect that they have uh, – you know, it's hard to discipline some some guys that making more money or three times, four times as much money as you are. So, you know, it, it's definitely changed, uh, you know, as far as the game is concerned. But, uh, you know, in the old days, if they had some rules, you were going to stick with them. The, uh, the quarterback situation in Dallas is unique. Tony Romo's been so great for so long, but Dak Prescott, rookie quarterback, He's been fantastic. Uh, clearly, it's Prescott's team at this point. W- would that have been a difficult decision for Coach Reeves, what to do there when Tony Romo gets healthy? Yeah, it really would be. Uh, but I think uh, Dak Prescott, uh, you know, made it a, a lot easier, uh, you know, with the way he's playing. There's no question that, you know, you had to rule that if you, uh, you know, injured, you didn't lose your job because of an injury. But uh, when a guy comes through and, uh, you know, he's, Hadn't, hadn't lost a game, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to, to bench him. And I think Tony Romo helped a great deal by, you know, stepping aside the way he did. Coach, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but I'm always interested in figuring this out. Which player in your time of coaching have you been the most impressed with? Not in terms of, like, the relationship or anything like that, but just saw a guy on a football field and said there's no way that human being should be able to move like that. Mm, Bob Lilly. Really? Uh, Bob Lilly was double teamed uh, so many times, and uh, they still couldn't stop him. Uh, he was just naturally strong. Never lifted weights. Uh, we put in the first weight program, you know, in 1969, and that's the first time Bob Lilly had ever tested a weight. Uh, he just had natural, you know, ability, and uh, was probably one of the most dominating, uh, you know, defensive linemen I've ever seen. Uh, uh, Leroy Jordan was probably one of the greatest leaders I've ever seen because of the way he prepared himself and the way he played, uh, you know, and then Roger Staubach and, uh, you know, uh, 
John Elway, two of the best quarterbacks I ever had because uh, they were so competitive and never asked uh, anybody on the team to do something that they wouldn't be willing to do themselves. So it seems like you're of the belief that they really don't make them like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I haven't coached in quite a while, too. I if I had Dak Prescott, I might be saying him. <laughs> or Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I had Tony Dorsett and uh, – you know, Tony, uh, when he was a rookie, I'll never forget the first game of the season. Uh, we got the ball on the on the 20 after a kickoff, and first play of the game, we ran a, a zone blocking playoff eye formation back to the weak side. And we had a rule if a center was covered, you had to stay play side. But if a center was uncovered, you could roll it all the way back behind the center. And they had an odd defense, so Tony was supposed to play play side. He broke it all the way back behind the tight end, went 80 yards for a touchdown. And I said, get Tony on the phone. I want to congratulate him and got him on the phone. He said, I know, Coach. I know I'm supposed to stay play side. I said, no, Tony, you just met a new rule. You can go anywhere you want to. <laughs> so, you know, so great players make great coaches, that's for sure. Finally here, uh, Coach Reeves, and again, uh, Dan Reeves doing real good work with After the Impact Fund. You go to aftertheimpactfund.org. You could also call 855-955-ATIF. Uh, when's the last time maybe out on a Saturday night with your wife or maybe with some of your kids, your grandkids, you're out at a celebration that Coach Dan Reeves uh, brought out the Dirty Bird dance? When's the last time? <laughs> the last time I did the Dirty Bird was uh, the day after the game. I told everybody that uh, if we went to the Super Bowl, I do the Dirty Bird down Peachtree Street. And so 2 o'clock in the morning, I got up, I went down to Peachtree Street, and I did the Dirty Bird. I kept my word. And Nobody saw me, but I was done. <laughs> your, your wife didn't even watch? You didn't even let her see? No, uh, she was still in bed. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe that was best for everyone. <laughs> no question. In particular, if you do it next to Jamal Anderson, <laughs> who was really good, uh, that was a big mistake. Coach, uh, we appreciate your time. Keep up the great work. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. All right. Thanks a lot to Coach Reeves for joining us there. Now joining us, retired Brigadier General Rich Gross, who, of course, he's on the Independence Fund side. You got Gridiron Greats. That's Dan Reeves working in conjunction. The Independence Fund's military side. And uh, first of all, General, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And I'll ask you the same thing that we asked Coach Reeves. Are you finding uh, a lot of similarities as far as the brain injuries when it comes to the football players on, you know, the playing field and, uh, you know, the, the military side on, on the battlefield? Absolutely. There's, there's, you know, it's interesting. There's similarities in the populations in general, the teamwork, the, the high level of training, the, the culture, traditions. Each population has a lot of similarities. And then after the, the trauma of combat for veterans or the, the day-to-day impacts that you see from, from the players, you do see a lot of the same types of injuries, the traumatic brain injury. We're starting to see uh, chronic traumatic encephal—I can't pronounce it—CTE in the uh, in not only we've seen that for a while with NFL players. Now we're starting to see that in soldiers who've been in uh, improvised explosive device car bomb type explosions or uh, other types of uh, injuries there over in Iraq and Afghanistan. We're starting to see that same CTE type injury show up in them. We're also seeing the same types of of issues with post-traumatic stress. Uh, with 
uh, other things like that. So definitely a lot of similarities in the two populations. And, and unfortunately, there's probably a lot of similarities as far as the way, say, the NFL takes care of or doesn't take care of their retired players and maybe the way uh, that we unfortunately take care of uh, as a country or don't take care of uh, retired military, correct? Well, we're, we're, we're not trying to point fingers or lay blame at anybody. We're just trying to come up with a comprehensive solution that in some cases will supplement what the Veterans Administration does, uh, and in some cases will be different than, than you can get from the VA. Same with the NFL players. They, they've certainly got some resources there, but we think this is a different, uh, innovative, comprehensive treatment program that, that is really unique because of your pairing a veteran with an NFL player. You can go to aftertheimpactfund.org, again, 855-955-ATIF for more information. General, are you a big NFL fan? you a big football fan? I am, but I tell you, the only football game I can think about right now is the Army-Navy game coming up this Saturday. <laughs> all right, all what right. What are the chances? What all are the right. chances? You know, you know what? Tell me here, because we, when we watch that on TV and we're watching it on NBC, and it looks like a very big deal, okay, like you take that game very serious, correct? We do. Every, everybody does. So, so what is it like? Like, if Army doesn't wind up winning this weekend, okay? Like, uh, d- does the general tell family members, "Hey, listen, don't talk to me for a few days. I don't, I don't want to hear from you." No, you know it's funny. After the game's over, we're all back on the same team, and uh, you just move on and move past it. It's been a long time since Army has won, uh, but I think this is our year. General, there's had to have been some nice little friendly compensation bets, whether it's push-ups, sit-ups, some kind of extraneous activity that you've wagered before on this game. What's the biggest one you've ever done? Uh, I promised for a fairly large group of uh, special ops guys to, to buy stakes if Army lost and Army lost, and they're still coming after me for that bet. <laughs> oh, that's that's an expensive bill. Well, well listen, uh, we're going to root for Army this weekend, all right, for you, okay, General? Thank you very much. I appreciate that, and so does the team. Thank you for your service, and keep up the great work. We appreciate you. I appreciate that, and thanks for having us on. All right, that's the General Rich Gross, the retired Brigadier General Rich Gross. That's a real man right there, like me are you looking at calling all pop culture enthusiasts are you obsessed with all things celebrity do you live for the drama the laughs and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media then you're going to want to tune into the comments by celebs podcast join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs comments by celebs has you covered we have new episodes out every week follow and listen to comments by celebs on the free odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts